Welcome back. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you for joining us once again. I want to thank all of you for tuning in week after week. I appreciate you guys so much. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Veracity Networks. Thank you for believing in me and helping get our message out to thousands and thousands of people. And, and I'd also like to thank all my previous guests. Thank you for being vulnerable and being willing to come share your story with us. You have touched so many lives and the responses have been amazing. And uh, I am so excited for you guys today because I have someone uh, today. Her name's Valen Kiefer. Valen, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's my pleasure. You guys are going to be blown away at her story. But more than that, you're going to be blown away on how she's handled life. Uh, I I was introduced to Valen by uh, a friend of mine, Paul Cardall, who uh, has been on my podcast twice. And I started following uh, Valen, you know, probably about a year ago, actually, and just watching her and seeing what she's doing. And I've just been so inspired by how she lives her life and how she helps other people, despite what she's been through. And so um, I'm just excited uh, for them to hear your story, Valen. And I want to give a little background. And I won't be able to cover all of this because she's doing so much. But, uh, you know, Valen toes the line every day between survival and advocacy. At the age of 37, she is a, she's thriving thanks to two life-saving transplant. And that in itself is a, a miracle. So at the age of 19, she received a life-saving kidney transplant because she uh, was suffering from polycystic kidney disease, PKD, right? Did I say that correctly? Yes, you did great. <laughs> right. And then at the age of 35, she received another life-saving liver transplant um, which has given her the ability to do what she loves to do, is which is helping others and living her life to the fullest. Um, you know, she's grounded in her gratitude. She works directly with countless patients and shares her journey at over 100 events across North America with an authentic optimism that gives people hope and moves them to action. She's done many press interviews, coordinated educational and fundraising events, and has helped raise over a million dollars for polycystic kidney disease research. That is incredible. That gives me like goosebumps. Uh, she's written over 250 blog posts. Um, again, we'll, we'll talk more about what she's doing. I'm not even getting close to this, but I love on here, it says you radiate light and joy. And I, and I couldn't agree more. You truly are a, a powerful light in this world. And I don't, I mean, I, I know you just through social media and on your website and things like that, but even just that, you have really helped me. And we were just talking about how your story has helped one of my clients see his diagnosis with diabetes as a blessing and not a curse. And so just fantastic stuff. So thanks for being here, Valen. <laughs> well, thank you. It's an honor. And what an incredible introduction. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, why don't we start, you know, why don't you just tell our listeners, where did you grow up? A little bit about your family life and childhood. Absolutely. So I grew up in New York, Pennsylvania. Uh, right now I'm in Northern California and my husband and I have lived here for around 10 years, but okay. um, majority of my life has been in New York, PA. I have All two right. incredible parents. Um, youth was wonderful. I dealt with a lot of health issues and that started at the age of five. So I've been a patient oh, wow. most of my life, but Honestly, when I think of my youth, I think of the encouragement, love, and support that I received from my parents. And honestly, that is what got me through all of my health challenges. And when I look back at that, 
it taught me many life lessons that I use now today as an adult to get through my challenges. Wow. Well, so you, like you said, started at age five with these health issues that you've had. So you've really known no different, really. No, I've just known being a patient. Actually, my first memory is having a grandma seizure in my kitchen with um, my mom was there. And that's the first thing that I remember in my life. So my journey began as a patient. Wow. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. As a child going through some of these health issues, I mean, it's hard at any age, but as a young kid, I mean, how did you deal with that? I mean, talk more maybe about what you were going through, even mentally and spiritually and, uh, and that kind of thing and how it affected your moods and things like that. Well, starting at five, I, you know, had epilepsy. And then when I was 10 years old, was diagnosed with polycystic kidney disease, which is a genetic disease. So I inherited it from my mother's side of the family. Okay. And for me, it was really challenging through middle school and high school. I was in and out of the hospital a lot, felt very different, couldn't play in gym class because yeah. your kidneys can get to the size of footballs and you couldn't play impact sports. So always felt a bit different. And even though I knew that my mom had this disease and I have a brother and he has it, I didn't know anyone else. So I felt pretty alone. And so now as an adult, I'm striving to be a role model that I wish I had back then. Yeah. Um, So it was really challenging. I also had uh, scoliosis surgery when I was in middle school. I had a huge surgery of two Harrington rods placed in my back. And again, felt different. Yeah, really. I was the young girl that had to leave class early and carry a pillow and have somebody help with my book bag. And all of those things are really impactful when you're growing up. And for sure, I spent spent a year in the hospital when I was 18 and 19. And that's such a pivotal part of your journey and discovering who you are and uh, friendships were really hard for me. And still, even to this day, I, I find it difficult because it's just hard to connect when you've just gone through so much. Yeah, I, can, I can't even imagine that. You know, a, a year in a hospital at that age, like you said, a pivotal time in your life trying to, you know, find your way in the world and you're a, a full year in the hospital. I, that is unbelievable. Let me ask you this, and this might seem like a silly question, but I mean, were you a happy kid? I mean, overall, did you, were you pretty positive? I mean, what was that like? Yeah, I I feel like I was. And the thing that I think of a lot is when I was in the hospital for almost a year there at 18 and 19, there was a day that my family was called to say goodbye. At the time, both of my kidneys were just removed. I had a bleeding vessel in my stomach. They were about to do emergency stomach surgery. I was in the ICU and in my room, all of a sudden, friends and family were in my room. And I know you can only have like two, three max. And I remember where everybody was standing that day and their expressions. And I knew what was happening and I was getting whisked off to an emergency surgery, but I never thought about death. I never thought I was going to die even though the prognosis was very grim. So I think my, just my thinking and that perspective is what has helped me throughout my journey. And I I have such wonderful parents that they have strived to make sure that I am as happy as I can be through all that I went through. And I think because of them growing up, 
I lived a wonderful youth and childhood because of that love and support, despite all of the challenges. Yeah, that's amazing to have parents like that, right? I'm going to ask you a tough question here. How would you, how, how would you describe what your parents have done for you? Like if you could describe it in a sentence, what would you say? I know that's a big question. Well, they've sacrificed so much and dedicated their entire lives to my happiness and I believe success. And they, they still have that strong commitment and I'm in awe by that. They have taught me what unconditional love is, and it is an extraordinary gift to be loved. I, I know that I have not been blessed with good health, Um, not rich in the sense of good health, but rich in love. And that's just an amazing thing to know that you're loved. That's incredible. Yeah. I love what you just said. You, you understand what unconditional love looks like and feels like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could could count on every day that they were going to be there at the hospital and visit me. I I knew as soon as visiting hours started, my dad would be there. And that steadfast love and support and commitment knew I had something to fight for. Wow, that's incredible. Sounds like they're just amazing people. And it's they no, sure and, and seeing the way you live your life, it's no, it's no uh, surprise the way you carry yourself, Valen. Um, I know um, one of the things I didn't read in your bio, but you have, is it over 60? Let's see here. Yeah. 60 inches of scars on yourself. And you did something that was actually pretty vulnerable thing. You, you actually did a fashion show, right? For, was it for transplant awareness or what it, was that? It's called Dreamwalk Fashion Show, and it was in New York City during Fashion Week. And it's an event that they had around 60 individuals that walked the runway. And it's people that have been through a lot and overcome adversity and now using that to help others. So I believe I was the only transplant recipient, a part of the event. But I thought, I've told my story on over 100 stages. How can I do something different with this unique event? Because I surely never expected to walk a runway. (laughs) So you design your own costume and have big wings and everything like the Victoria's Secret image in your mind. And (laughs) I thought, how can I do this differently? And I have, like you said, over 60 inches of scars. I recall being the young girl in middle school that didn't like to change in gym class and tried to hide my scars. And I thought, I need to embrace my journey and show how beautiful our scars are. So I had the costume design to not only have all of my scars exposed, but I highlighted them with glitter. And Right. I noticed that in the pictures. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that was amazing. And I thought, okay, I will do this as trying to set a positive example for others. It wound up being very liberating and inspiring me, hopefully just as much as I inspired others. And I just think back to the young girl and I would have never fathomed this is the woman I would have become. Yeah. Well, that had to have been such an amazing experience. And again, it's so neat when you see someone like yourself, who's been through so much, you're just putting yourself out there like, Hey, this is me. I accept what I've been through. I, I, I'm beautiful. I'm strong. I'm smart. And here I am, despite what I've been through and to, to, to do what you did there. I, that was very, you know, touching for me to see that you'd be willing to do something like that. Thank you. I feel like 
authenticity and being accepted and embraced for being yourself is an incredible thing. And I believe people need to hear other people's stories. And for me, I didn't have that role model when I was younger. I didn't have someone in their twenties or thirties to look to that is living a fulfilling life post transplant. I didn't know what my future was going to look like. So I now want to be that person for future generations. Wow. I love it. I love it. And I know, you know, you're determined to help others who are fated to walk the similar path that you are. Why are you so determined though? Like, tell me about this. Why are you so determined to help these people and to just continue to put yourself out there? What, what, what's driving you to do this? I think it's several things. It's really therapeutic for me. It, gives purpose to the pain that I've been through it. I, I feel, I deeply feel that I'm alive for a reason. I have to be, I I mean, I've lived through a miracle twice, a living kidney donor, a deceased liver donor saved my life. And we can talk about that later. But when I woke up for my liver transplant surgery, I just was renewed with this overwhelming sense of gratitude, knowing that I am here for a reason and determined to channel that into something just really amazing. And I just, I know that others need it. And I think it goes back to my childhood from not having it. And I know what it feels like to not have it. So I don't want anyone else to feel alone like I did. Yeah. So let's do talk about, let's talk about when you did receive that liver transplant. Just go through that journey with us for a minute. Put us through that for a second, if you don't mind. Going through a transplant at 19 versus an adult at 35 is very different. Yeah. When you're a teenager, you don't have your life in order like you do as an adult. Yeah. So, you know, I just wrapped up high school, just started college when I got really sick for my first transplant. And then at 35, I love where I live in Northern California. I have a home. I have the most amazing husband who I receive that unconditional love from just like my parents. And I never expected that that would happen. He is extraordinary. So I have a life that I don't want to lose. So it was really scary. And I never thought about death when I was younger. And I, of course, but I also knew the reality that it could be possible. I thought, okay, take this individual that has dealt with health issues since five years old, has gone through everything that I've gone through. Can I make it through a huge liver surgery? Like I want to be practical too. (laughs) Like can my body endure any more? I had gone through over a handful of sepsis episodes I was on daily IV and oral antibiotics, like the next sepsis episode could have killed me. And I needed this life-saving transplant. And would I get it? There isn't a lifeline for a liver transplant like kidney transplant. You don't have dialysis. You either get the liver or you pass away. It's not like my first transplant experience. So there's all these thoughts running through my mind of what's the outcome going to be? And and I want to keep living this wonderful life. And for for me, everybody needs a focus, something to look forward to a drive in life. And I did a, I did a speech at a high school and you get the most amazing questions from high school kids. (laughs) And somebody asked me, 
like what what was your drive to get through your liver transplant? What fueled you? And I'm thinking, yeah. oh my goodness, that's an extraordinary question. Yeah. And it was honestly the thought of Noah becoming a widow. I hated the image of Noah introducing himself and saying that he had a wife that passed away from yeah. health issues. I didn't want to be that young woman that somebody would say, oh, she went through so much. And honestly saying like, you know, she's at peace now or something. I have this drive to fight, this passion to live the most extraordinary life I can and a zest for life. So for me, that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> I was right. like, that is not okay. I'm determined <laughs> to live as long as I can with Noah. And yeah. I did. And, and I couldn't believe when I woke up from liver transplant surgery, I said to myself, if I woke up and saw Noah's face everything would be okay. Cause we could get through it together and get through recovery. It was like, yeah. all I want to do is see his face. And the most extraordinary thing when I happened, when I woke up, woke up for my liver transplant surgery. So I'm in a completely dark ICU room. You have um, like the doors in front of the bed where there's like an opening for people to walk in, but the right. glass, you can still see like silhouettes of people. The first time I woke up, I saw the silhouette of my husband, Noah, and my dad. And wow. my dad lives in, my parents live in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And as soon as my dad found out that it was a go, he flew from Pennsylvania to St. Louis, Missouri, where I got the transplant. So he landed and got to the hospital just in time when the doctors gave the okay that I could get visitors. And the first wow. image was me waking up and seeing the silhouette of my dad and my husband. Wow. And I knew I was going to be okay. Yeah. And I knew I was still alive for the re for a huge reason. And since then, I have been determined to continue on this passion and mission to do as much good as I can in life, in life, and yeah. and bring this light and try and use my experiences to teach others. And it is just it's an honor to have the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Wow. I, that is such an amazing story. And you did, you said when you woke up from that, you had this huge sense of gratitude. I wanted to ask you, and I asked this to a lot of, you know, my former guests who have had transplants, you know, how do you feel about, you know, these, these two remarkable men who, you know, donated these, you know, organs to you? How do you, do you ever think about that? Do you feel about, you know, you know, feelings towards these guys? For sure. And actually my kidney donor is a good friend of the family and it's, she's a woman, oh, Sally. I'm sorry. And, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. And then <laughs> I actually don't know who my um, liver donor is. Uh, hopefully I will someday, but I don't know. I've written to the family and haven't heard back yet. And I surely hope I do at some oh, point. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, I feel like transplant recipients have this overwhelming sense of gratitude and we try and find positive ways to channel it. And you always feel like, thank you, isn't enough. <laughs> it's like right. those two words are like, that is not enough. We have to do something more. <laughs> right. So I feel like the transplant community who I've met are just incredible individuals and have this passion to use this second chance at life. We've second chance. Not everybody gets second chances. Yeah. I got a second and a third chance at life. You have this perspective, this just overwhelming gratitude. And 
for me, I was always grateful and, and I lived an incredibly grateful life after my kidney transplant. I feel like it's a different gratitude after my liver transplant. I feel like I can feel the energy of it through my body. Like I never did before. Like it just, like, it's just going to like burst out of me. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) what do I do with this? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Well, you're doing a lot of amazing things. Why don't you share with our listeners uh, this advocacy work that you're doing and what's your goal with it? What does the future look and what are you currently doing with it? It has been amazing. (laughs) Like, I I don't like, I don't even know where to begin. The opportunities have been (laughs) extraordinary. So I, it's after my liver transplant, I was able to travel again and healthy enough to get out in the world, which felt so great. So I did the fashion show, was able to work with pharmaceutical companies who created the first treatment for polycystic kidney disease and be able to meet with them and be on advisory councils and do work with them. I've worked with pharma and created digital ads to talk about the importance of pharmaceuticals, which of course we all know, especially in this time right now, we're relying heavily on that and the COVID vaccine. Um, I've been doing just amazing work with Barnes Jewish Hospital, who is where I received my liver transplant. And a little note with that is I live in California, but the wait was so long for a liver here that they suggested I get dual listed. And it wound up, I got dual listed in St. Louis, Missouri, was able to get a liver transplant sooner And my husband and I temporarily relocated there for seven weeks and I received my liver transplant there, but I've done just, they have been, their care is top notch, but then I've been so fortunate that they reached the milestone of doing 10,000 transplants and they had a gala to celebrate that. And they asked me to speak at the event and share my story. (laughs) I mean, I can't even, it gives me goosebumps. So A year and a half after I received my liver transplant at Barnes Jewish, I was walking up on stage to an audience of hundreds of people who have just had a gigantic impact on the field of transplantation. And I'm sharing my story. It's something of movies. You think, (laughs) you know, I'm like that night, I'm like, how am, how am I here? Literally, how am I alive? And then how am I here? Just amazing things. And then recently with them, Um, Both my hepatologist, my liver doctor, and my liver transplant surgeon have received the President's Achievement Award at Barnes Jewish Hospital, and they asked me to be a part of the announcement and celebration for that. So they just did a beautiful spread about my story and my doctors receiving this award and their giving magazine. And then because of the current times, they can't, of course, have an in-person celebration. So I was a part of the video announcing this, and I'm like, again, these... (laughs) extraordinary men who have done just outstanding accomplishments in the field of transplantation. And then there's me. (laughs) And then there's my story, a part of this announcement. So again, it's these opportunities of that are just overwhelming to me and just continue to fuel my passion of knowing this is what I'm supposed to do. And not everybody knows their purpose and to feel like I know my purpose and I'm living it out is such an amazing feeling. And there's so many components to my story that I'm able to help varying organizations. I've received over 70 blood transfusions. So I just did a TV interview to help promote blood donation here locally for a blood drive in Sacramento, California. 
and I'm doing webinars and different yeah. events. There was a ribbon cutting of a new lab in San Francisco and I spoke at the ribbon cutting. And of course I'm doing all of this virtually. And the really <laughs> cool thing at a recent event is they had a robot where um, they were able to have me, my face on the robot. So I was like there at the event in that way. <laughs> so then wow. you, you see like some of the people that were there in person and then this robot with me on it. <laughs> like, so I made my robot debut. So it's awesome. It's just been so fun. And I, you would think during a pandemic, you know, prior to it, prior to COVID starting, I was right up at that point, I was a year and a half post liver transplant and just out in the world and loving life. And of course, still navigating health issues and the day to day things I need to do, but able to be living my best life again, the healthiest I've ever been. And then all of a sudden now have lived a very sheltered life because of being high risk. Yeah. But I'm super grateful for the virtual opportunities I've had to continue spreading the message and education and inspiration from the safety of my home. But it's like, now I'm the healthiest I've ever been and I can't go anywhere. <laughs> it's like, it's what? like, what? I know. Yeah. But the good thing is, is I know how to adapt to change. I have sure. these tools that I have had to learn throughout my life that I understand that change can happen, how to adapt to it and yeah. how to live in the present and focus on a day at a time. And I'm just so grateful to be healthy, even through this really challenging time in all of our lives. Yeah. Wow. Well, and that training started at age five, right? You, you had to start learning. Well, I've got these issues and I got to learn to deal with these at such a young age. And what's remarkable, remarkable about your story, and there's so many different aspects about it that's remarkable. But if you think about that training as a young kid, and I think that's why you're so good at what you do now, because you can do difficult things. I know you know this, but to see you do that, but with, with the attitude and the drive and the passion that you have around it, it just blows my mind. It really, it really truly does. It's so inspiring. <laughs> Thank you. You're so sweet. And, and I think if somebody is completely healthy all of their life, and then at 40 or 50, they're diagnosed with something, they're devastated and shocked, can't move, don't know what to do, end of the world for their life. And it doesn't right. have to be. Yeah. And, and it basically sad or not sad. It's all I know is being a patient, but that, might be an advantage to me because it makes it a bit easier because it's all I know. Yeah. Uh, but I do yeah. credit the way that it was handled and the way sure. my parents helped me endure it and handle it. And humor has been a big part of it. Like my okay. parents and I love being silly and we've yeah. always tried <laughs> to find the humor through all of it, no matter how hard the day was. And right. that still is a big component. And uh, I have a story that makes me think of my father. That's another aspect of sure. um, just how I help get through even the current times. Being outside, fresh air, nature is such a huge part of just therapy for me. Yeah. And it's finding those little things that can help us along the way and being determined to do so. Well, my dad was always determined to get me to breathe fresh air and see outside. And if you're deathly ill, they're not going to want to take you outside. <laughs> So I'm being taken to an operation at Johns Hopkins and you have to be like, it's long corridors. Sometimes you have to go through different buildings. And before I did it, my dad was determined. He goes, can we go outside? Can you, can you somehow get her outside on the way 
to the this operation and they're like, what? <laughs> like we're taking our, whatever you got to do. And they're like, they could tell it's a father determined. So I'm really sick, laying on the hospital bed, of course, flat. And they agree to this. They take us like down in the basement, the long way through this way, this way, that way. All of a sudden the doors open. And I remember seeing blue sky, white clouds for a couple seconds, doors open. I remember hearing all the noises, boom, go in the next building. But it happened. They got me outside. Got you out there. <laughs> I saw fresh air. And that's what dad wanted, no matter what that was going to happen. And I think that (laughs) that determination for those like little reprieves and those little moments that you can get (laughs) is just, I have funny stories with him because it was like complete blizzard snow. And he took me out of my wheelchair on a balcony. I was wrapped up like a mummy in blankets. (laughs) The only thing you could see were my eyes, but that guy was going to get me outside. And yeah, I think when I think back to that, there's so many little lessons along the way that I can see that that determination and will to make the best of each day has just been just embedded in me and a part of me from my youth, which is just really wonderful. Yeah. And again, I got to give a shout out to your parents. That is, they're amazing. You know, and obviously, like you said, they've sacrificed and they taught you unconditional love. And, and like you said, those little moments of him getting outside just so you can see the snow and things like that, or the sky or whatever. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. Well, I know you just, uh, you just had a six page feature story published in Transplant Nation. Tell us about that. And that is, that's another amazing thing. Yes, I've been fortunate that some really beautiful articles have been published about my journey recently from Barnes Jewish Hospital to National Kidney Foundation and now Transplant Nation. And they were really determined to capture my advocacy journey as a whole because it has been so much that they wanted to start from the beginning to the present of it. And they did a wonderful job. But the thing that really has touched me is I feel like they captured my heart and dug really deep into why kind of like yeah. the questions you asked me earlier it's not just yeah. saying what i've done but it's the why and yeah. you know my drive to help others and live life to the fullest because that's what they titled it and i think that that's just what yep. i'm striving to do because when you get close to death so many times you realize how precious every healthy day is that's not yeah. in the hospital it's as simple as that i'm like was I healthy today? Was I not in the hospital? This was an amazing day. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. That is so neat. And congratulations on that. That is, that is fantastic. You know, another thing that I saw that was really touching that you've done, uh, I think it, correct me if I'm wrong on September 7th, it's, is it grateful patient day? Yes. Is that right? And you had posted a video and, uh, of what the, and you sharing gratitude to your doctor right? Explain, talk, tell us about that experience. And I, I watched, I was bawling my eyes out. Oh, you're so sweet. (laughs) Yes. So, uh, Rolf Benershka started Grateful Patient Day and it's a project, uh, to have this day to express gratitude to your healthcare team. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was just really special to be a part of it because I'm not only grateful, but I find it important to express that gratitude to the people that are a part of our lives as patients and who care for us because it's a a team effort. It's really important to be our best advocates and advocates for others. 
but we need to have that strong trust and connection in our healthcare team. And for me, my nephrologist and my transplant teams have just been extraordinary. And through my sepsis episodes, my nephrologist was just always there to help provide guidance during all of my emergency rooms and hospital stays. And for me, he's, he's just wonderful. And he's always um, supportive of these advocacy efforts that I do, which is just really great. And I I think it's important for those people that dedicate their lives to helping us live the best quality of lives that we acknowledge that and express our thanks for all that they're doing to help us live. Like, like right now you think of the doctors that are putting themselves at risk to continue to keep us healthy. And that's amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. I, I love that. I had never heard of that before, honestly, until I saw that it's something that you had done. And so I'm so grateful that I came across that. I want to shift gears just a little bit. I mean, obviously you're doing all these amazing things, Valen, and I, I want, what does a day look like for you? Like just a typical day outside of all the busyness you're doing, like how do you carry yourself and how do you keep yourself, you know, feeling happy, maybe not depressed. Like, what do you do in a day? What does it look like? I think the description of me of balancing between survival and advocacy is just so perfect for me Uh, because the advocacy work is what really gives purpose to each day and really good focus. Um, Because for me, for the first 10 years after transplant, I worked full time but I, I have a lot of back issues, which tend to not be talked about as much. So for me, I had to go on disability because of a disc herniating and it's a whole nother, um, story about all of my back issues. So for me, I have a lot to focus on medical wise. In addition to transplant, um, the health side of every day is taking 17 pills a day to keep my transplants healthy. And I do monthly transplant labs. Um, A lot of like basically every decision I make throughout the day is how it will affect my back of not being able to sit long or stand long. So during the day, there's constant care with that. And um, for me, walking is really important movement to help with my back and I do therapeutic Pilates once a week to help with my back. So it's okay. constantly being an advocate for myself to sure. basically, I look at myself that I'm a lot of work, but this goes back to the perspective of that. If you really take care of yourself to help yourself live the best quality of life, then I just have to accept that my job is to take care of myself. Like it was really hard for me because yeah. I loved working full time. Sure. So it was hard to not be able to, but my husband's just so sweet. And he's like, your job is to take care of yourself. So you have to look at it like that. Like whether you have to lay down for a bit or what you have to do with Pilates or movement or not being able to do something because of your back, that's just your job. And as transplant recipients, our job is to take the best care of ourselves to do all of our follow-ups and our taking our meds on time and our maintenance of care. So in addition to the advocacy that like, I appreciate you asking because of that type of work, there's a lot of care that goes into uh, taking the best care of ourselves because transplantation being 
a transplant recipient is such a gift, but it's a lifelong maintenance and journey. Like I'll get out for people that are outside of the community. When they hear I received a transplant, they're like, oh, so you're good now. <laughs> and it's a, it's a wonderful sentiment. And I, and sure. I understand not having the perspective, but we're yeah. wonderful, but it is a huge responsibility with the hopes that it will, the transplant will last as long as it can. So, uh, gotcha. so that's kind of part of the day, but I know we talked a lot about my youth with my parents, but mm-hmm. my huge ability to be able to stay in a really wonderful frame of mind with something, things to look forward to is my husband, Noah. He is just that just reassurance, that light in my life. Um, wow he has become just such a integral part of my health journey. And it's amazing if when we go to appointments and you hear us talk, we met a new, new doctor through my journey. And he's like, so are you both in the medical field? And we're like, no, but yes. (laughs) No, but yes, exactly. (laughs) So he's really embraced being a caregiver. And that is just a huge job and a side of the journey that isn't talked about much. And caregivers are just, just amazing humans of the sacrifices that they make just like my parents did when I was younger is the same that Noah's doing and and we strive to live the best life despite um despite some of the maintenance and things that we have to do and the different way that we have to live our life like right now he's living like a transplant recipient because he has to be super careful to keep me safe for sure and it's just part of the sacrifices that they're willing to make for those they love and that's a beautiful thing it is and what a what a blessing that you found noah i mean think about that even what a gift that has been for you amazing i can't imagine doing this journey on my own a lot of my happiness stems from his love and um, just our determination to live a really great life. And he helps me do that. So I'm once again, there's an abundance of gratitude in in many areas of my life. Yeah. You know, uh, God, there's so much to talk about, but there was one thing that we talked about before we, before we went live and you were talking about how you have this mindset and your mindset for, you know, like the will to survive it's kind of what's kept you going. Talk about, well, here's what, I guess what I'm trying to ask here is you have this powerful mindset. I mean, obviously just listening to you for five minutes, it's like, wow, who is this woman? Right. But I, I have a lot of listeners that are hearing your voice right now who are struggling, who may not be going through, you know, health issues like you went through, but they're going through, you know, something emotionally or mentally that's keeping them down and they're struggling what, what's something you could tell them that could help them in this moment that could maybe help bring them out of this dark mindset they might be in at this time? That's huge. Yeah. I feel, I feel lucky to have the perspective that I do and that I've been able to overcome all of the health challenges. I believe in us, we all have a little bit of more of maybe an optimistic or pessimistic personality traits, but I really believe it's a choice to some extent. I I know that it's harder for others, but I believe we have the choice and our decisions really affect our life that we can choose to look at things a bit differently. Or uh, there's so many times that I could have gotten down and just let go. And I believe if my mind would have let go, my body would have let go. 
there's such a huge connection to that. I believe, I really believe the thoughts that we put out come back to us. I, I think that my, my positivity has probably been a bit of a coping mechanism, but it's not like a, um, like I don't have a connection to reality, that type of positivity. I, I believe I choose it in the decisions that I make of how I live my life, of how I take care of myself. I'm an advocate um, and, and just make healthy decisions, try and find um, positive things to do and focus on to help live the best life that I can. I mean, even during our really dark, challenging days, we still, fi- we still would strive to find that little bit of joy or light or humor in each day. Yeah. Those were even days in the hospital with really grim diagnosis. Okay, I'll give you an example. I was misdiagnosed with primary sclerosing cholangitis before we found out that my liver issues were because of polycystic kidney disease. So here we got this new diagnosis Mm -hmm. and this was Noah and I, this was in my thirties. We were in this room with no windows, had a procedure done and was told that now I have primary sclerosing cholangitis and our world just shrunk. And we were like, what, what, what? Yeah. Uh, how can that even be with everything, everything, you know, I've been through. And after that, we it was in San Francisco, we drove to a park, we just pulled over, got out of the car, both laid on our backs, look up at the sky and held our hands, held each other's hands. And we were like, okay, we're just gonna, we're just gonna take this moment and try and, en- and enjoy a bit of today. Yeah. And just try and trust that we can get through this. And for me, when you're going through so much, you need to break stuff down. Anything you're going through is so overwhelming. For me with liver transplant, there were so many things that needed to, needed to come together in order for me to get that transplant. And some days it felt like, is it really going to happen? Or am I going to pass away before it even happens? But if I broke it down in a day or sometimes half a day, or sometimes an hour of like, what do I need to do to try and help to get to the point of survival? Yeah. And if I really just broke life down into small increments, it helped me get away from that big overwhelming picture of what was going on and give myself confidence that I could do it. So I think anything that we're going through feels massive and overwhelming and can we get through it or see the next day? And I think that's why we really need to take that focus and bring it into what can we control? What can we do? And, and that makes me think of my chronic pain that I deal with because of my back. It's the same thing. Sometimes when people are in pain, whether that's physical or emotional, it seems to consume us. And that's the worst place to live in, to feel like you're out of control of your pain or what you're going through is the, it's the worst place to exist. So for me, I started to shift my focus and I just did this recently in August. I just, all of a sudden I got in a place of having a really bad back flare up and it started to become quite overwhelming. And I, I didn't, I feel uncomfortable in any thoughts, but, but good. (laughs) Like if I ever start to get upset, honestly, I'm like, that's uncomfortable. And I don't like that feeling. (laughs) So I tried to say to myself, what can I do? Yeah. If you can focus, you can do that can be so empowering. Like I, I said, okay, I, yeah. I, I can stretch. I, I can do this. And these things can maybe make me feel better. 
And that made me feel like something didn't have control of me and I had a bit of control. And I think for each person, and especially with what's going on in the world right now, kindness, Mm. you have to be kind to yourself. Like sometimes things are just out of our control. If I got angry about all I went through, I'd be in a horrible place. Oh, yeah. If, if I was bitter about having all these issues, if I was mad about the fact that I can't do what everybody else can do and all that type of stuff, it, it would, my world would look different every day. For sure. I think we have to understand that we need to be kind to ourselves and then also to other people. Like that's such an amazing feeling when you choose to be kind to others, the, the feelings that come back to you help you greatly. Yeah. Wow. Very well said. I love it. Great advice. And I love how you said you break it down to like, even the moment, what can I do right now? What's, what's the one thing I can do in this moment? And it it starts to make you feel like, okay, I can, can, I'm in some control here and I can do something about it. And I love how you said a lot of it is choice. And I know that's tough for people to hear who are especially are struggling, but I think we need to learn that that we have so much power within us. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was so drawn to you, Valen, is like you, 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 uh, you exemplify this passion and power that we have within us and we can go through horrible things and yet still rise above it. It's just fascinating to watch. Thank you. And I, I feel it's hard for me to say that because I know there can be some people that are just in awful places in life that if somebody tells you to choose it, they're like, I, I can't possibly get out of this. I right. can't choose it. But I, I hope that if they learn all of the struggles throughout my life and see how repetitive, like r- repeated times I would choose that, I, I hope that it gives them the strength that they can. And even if that's in small ways, it's not like choose to get better because we can't always get yeah, better, right. but choose to make decisions that can help you get through whatever you're going through. Whether yeah. that's like, what do you need in the moment and, and choose that and, and listen to yourself. And I think we underestimate the power of our thinking Yeah. so often. If you change your thought and perspective, it is huge. Like my, I was having a conversation the other day with my dad and he said, I think sometimes it's like easier to think negative. We were talking about the, you know, what's going on in our world. I think it's sometimes easier to think that. And all of a sudden I was like this really weird feeling to me because I don't feel that way. I think it's easier to go the other way and think happy thoughts about something. And if you're able to do that, it transforms your world. Wow. Love that. That was beautifully said. (laughs) So good. Um, I have a I have two more questions for you. This one's, a, I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyways. If you could go back, you know, go all the way back to fifth grade or excuse me, when you were five and you know, that's when you, that's when the health problems started and it's, you've been a patient ever since, like you said, you've been through so much uh, heartache and pain, but yet at the same time you have triumphed and you have inspired so many people all over the globe. Would you change this? If you could never, yeah, never. Noah had said something powerful before. He said, "If you are happy today, then everything before today was worth it." Boy, and Noah, that's powerful. 
he's amazing. I wish you could meet him. <laughs> I know. I'd, lo I'd love to meet him, but uh, wow, um, that is so well said. I, I truly believe it and it's bizarre because I have been through da days and months that I wouldn't <laughs> wish on anyone. But to say that you have lived through a miracle not once but twice, that you have experienced that that gift and, and such joy and some people don't experience that their whole lives. I, I think yeah. my nephrologist told me how my life is just either super high or super low. It is quite dramatic at times. <laughs> it, it's, sure. it's, it's, it's hard to get even, although yeah. 2020 was the healthiest year that we can remember since Noah and I met. Really? It's the first year that I didn't have an ER visit or hospital stays that Noah and I can remember since we've been together. So amazing. I, I'm grateful for stability, but it has been extraordinary challenging or extraordinarily beautiful type journey. Yeah. But I feel like I have a perspective that makes me appreciate life that I might not have otherwise if I live just a normal life. And maybe if my life isn't super long because of my health issues, I feel like there's so much amazingness packed into it that I'm probably living a more purposeful, fulfilling, joy-filled, just incredible life yeah. even if it's a shorter time than necessarily longer and perfectly healthy. And, and I try and focus on that and I'm lucky for that. And that's the perspective yeah. of looking at life that way versus, you know, being upset about all that I've had to go through. Yeah. Say that again, what Noah said about if you're happy now, how did he say it again? Noah said that if you're happy today, everything that happened to you in your past was worth it or everything that you've gone through in your past was worth it. Yeah. Love that. I'm going to steal that. I'm going to share that with my clients. That's so, <laughs> 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 well, so God, um, I hate to kind of close this up, but, uh, I wanted, I guess I want to ask you is how can people who are hearing this right now, if they want to ask you a question or if they wanna get involved with your advocacy work and maybe even give a donation to one of your causes or anything, how, what's the best way for them to do that and to, and to find you? Thank you for asking. So you can go to valenkiefer.com. So it's spelled like the beginning of Valentine, V-A-L-E-N-K-E-E-F-E-R.com. And you okay. can learn as all about my advocacy efforts. I have all TV interviews and everything there and there's a contact page and I would okay. love to hear from your listeners. And if there's anyone that's having, you know, working on a project that they think my story would be a good fit, you know, would just yeah. love to hear from anyone that's interested. Yeah. I would love to have you speak to our clients here at Wasatch Recovery where we're uh, recording right now. Uh, you know, it's an inpatient facility for uh, alcoholics and drug addicts who have been through hard times themselves. But for them to hear your story, I, it would be amazing. But uh, we'll, ha we'll have to talk about that off air here. Yeah. But uh, Love anyway, I, you know, I, I want to thank you seriously. Again, um, I know I, I, I sound like a broken record here, but you really <laughs> are amazing. And I love what you're doing. You inspire me to get through my own trials that I'm dealing with, you know, and everyone has something that they're striving to get over and, and to be better over. But, uh, 
you, you really are an amazing light in, in this mm-hmm. world and we need more people like you. And I'm just grateful that uh, our, our lives have crossed each other's paths and here we are talking to each other. I just feel uh, so blessed. I really am too. And was really excited to share this conversation and have this time with you. And I have a daily calendar with inspirational quotes that I always love every day. And I flipped it over this morning and Uh thought of you and it was meant to be. It says travel light, love light, spread light, be the light. And I was, I thought, well, that's perfect for (laughs) today. (laughs) That is perfect for today. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And I know everyone who is listening to this story right now uh, is going to be filled with more light. And, and I think, you know, and you said it earlier about kindness and I think the world right now is starving for compassion and kindness and not only towards each other, but also to ourselves. And I just think we need to, we just need to be more loving right now. And it seems like everything's so divided and things like that, but it'd be so great for people to listen to this story and, I'm going to share this with as many people as I can. And, and it's a lot of people, fortunately, because we've got a huge following. And so I'm just excited for people to hear this, Valen. <laughs> Thank you. Me too. And I think empathy right now for all of us to know that we're all going through yeah. something. And right. we all have some type of weight on our shoulders, even if we don't think we do, just because of all the stress going on. And just um, kindness is very powerful. And I think if we choose to be kind to ourselves and others. It really helps us get through things. And I'm just really appreciate this platform for your listeners to hear my story. And I just feel really fortunate that our paths have crossed. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Valen. And thank you for taking the time. Yeah, this was beautiful. Thank you. Well, there you go, folks. Uh, Another amazing story. You know, Valen has a way of connecting and touching the hearts and minds of all those who she meets. And I know you guys are going, wow, this was so worth the hour that we sat here and listened to her amazing story. Um, please reach out to her again. It's uh, valenkiefer.com, V-A-L-E-N-K-E-E-F-E-R.com. Please reach out to her, check out what she's doing, send her a message, tell her thanks, ask her a question. I'm sure she'll be happy to, to reach back out to you. But uh, yeah, I, I want you uh, listeners to know that I love you. And I do this for this very reason, to be inspired by amazing people like Valen. So uh, thank you for tuning in. And Valen, once again, thank you for your time today. My honor. Thank you so much. Okay. Till next time.